Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful feeling here tonight. Men gathered together to hear from God. Can you say amen? amen? I want to add my appreciation and welcome to you for being in these services. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 4. The book of Exodus and chapter 4. In a recent men's discipleship class in Prescott, uh, Pastor Camel preached a masterpiece on the flesh. He used this text that we have Tonight, I want to preach from, I want to put a little different uh, slant to it, if I could. Exodus chapter 4, if you have your Bibles there. I clipped out a little article that uh, many of you might have seen. And uh, this was a woman named Mary Winkler. She's age 32. She killed her husband, Pastor Matthew Winkler, age 31, in their Church of Christ Parsonage in Selmer, Tennessee. She used the gun leaning against the closet wall. It was a 12-gauge shotgun, shot him at short range. She claims that she didn't remember going for the gun. And Winkler said she and her husband had argued throughout the evening about several things, including family finances. The problems were mostly my fault, she said, because she's in charge of keeping the family's books and He'd really been on me lately, criticizing me things, the way I walk, I eat, everything. It was just building up to a point. I was tired of it. I guess I got to a point and snapped. Booth read to the court. As she shot her husband, he turned back to her. He's totally surprised. And he said, why did you do it? Now, here's a man who has lost dominion in his home. He doesn't know it. Can he say Amen. We have in many of our cities a place of business. It's called Home Depot. And their motto is, you can do it and we can help. Become a symbol for remodeling homes, for building homes, everything needed for the home from uh, complete uh, construction to uh, remodel and repair. But I hold in my hand tonight a manual And in this manual is everything that is needed to build a home, to maintain a home, to build a Christian life, to build a ministry, and to sustain that. And I want to preach a sermon entitled Home Depot from Exodus 4, beginning with verse 19. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. 
Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I've put in your hand. But I'll harden his heart so that he'll not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I'll kill your son, your firstborn. It came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you're a husband of of blood to me or a bloody husband to me. Home Depot. First of all, I want to talk to you for a few moments about the dangerous plight that we see here. Any marriage is a delicate balance. And as I speak to men tonight, I want you to understand that marriage is one of the glorious experiences of life. And the Bible says that God took Adam, the first man created, took his rib, created a woman for him, a helpmeet for him, and brought her to him, and the two became one flesh. And out of that wondrous union, there's more than just simply a physical union. The Bible is very careful to give instruction. And as it gives instruction, it causes us to understand very clearly the roles and the responsibilities of a household. And it's very important that we understand that. Here's Moses, and Moses has taken a very careless posture. The Bible says in verse 25 that as his wife circumcised her son, brought the foreskin through to his feet and said to a bloody husband, you are to me. And what we have here is the culmination of a frustration that is in the relationship of that home. You do not have to be a prophet. You do not have to be a master of biblical interpretation to understand that there was problems in this house. And what we're seeing here is the culmination of a frustration that has been going on in that home. And the Bible says this is very crucial that we have a correct role and we have a fulfillment of the roles and responsibilities within the home. First Peter chapter 3, verse 2. A bishop or an overseer must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Verse 4 says, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Verse 5 says, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how do we take care of the church of God? Verse 11 says, likewise, Their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. So here we have an exampleship, and this exampleship is set of leadership within the church of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God, and it lets us understand that that exampleship is very powerful and it is very important because the standards of that church are going to be set by leadership 
and they're crucial. In the long term, you must give close attendance uh, and attention to your home. You see, what happens in marriage is it tends to deteriorate. I want to tell you that if you've been married very long, the woman you're married to now is not the same woman you married. Because there is a tendency for a deterioration of relationships and either you're going to grow and you're going to improve in that relationship or it's going to break down in self-interest and it's going to self-destruct. Talking to a woman a few months ago, she married a man. She said, the reason I married this man is this man was on fire for God He was constantly on outreach. He was a faithful witness. He was filled with zeal for God. And the reason that I married him is so that I would be assured that this man would remain in the fellowship. He would remain a faithful servant of God. And this is the reason that I married him. But you see, things change in the process of time. This man did not pay attention to the powerful medium of television and internet and he fell into pornography, fell into sin, lost his ministry and this woman now is trapped in a marriage where she is not married to the same man that she married. Either you will improve your marriage or it will self-destruct and deteriorate and husbands need to pay very close attention to their wife. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, the Bible says in the first part, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Now this is very crucial because you need to understand that there's a dimension of the home that is absolutely necessary and you must have knowledge of your wife and you must make a study of what makes her tick. A marriage does not automatically continue and maintain itself. You must make a study of your wife. You have to understand what makes her tick. I was discussing this at breakfast with with, uh, some of the men. And one of the men, he said, uh, 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 what's the deal? Uh, uh, What's the big deal with hair with women anyway? I haven't combed my hair for seven years. (laughs) Well, the big deal is the Bible says that a woman's hair is her glory. And if you want a successful marriage, you're going to have to make a study of your wife. You're going to have to understand what makes her tick. And your whole future rests upon this as a man, as a man of God, as a faithful Christian, as a member of a church, someone who's involved in, within the ministry in the church, and as a pastor or as an evangelist. Pastor Campbell related when he preached a very sad story about a, a pastor. This pastor comes home from preaching revival, flies into the airport. His wife picks him up from the airport, takes him to the home. He gets out as she's driving, and he says, aren't you coming in? She said, I don't live here anymore. And this man says, in one day, I lost my wife. I lost my ministry. I lost my income. And I lost my church. 
No, you didn't do that in one day. You do not lose a marriage in one day. But if you want to maintain a relationship that's going to be in health, if you're a pastor, it is crucial that you have an example that you set within your home. Bear with me. Fasten your seatbelt. Put your spurs on because I'm going somewhere with this. (laughs) This man did not lose his home, his ministry, his church, and his income in one day. He did that over a period of time. And like Pastor Winkler, who was totally surprised, it tells me that he did not understand what was happening in his home, nor did he understand the inner workings of the woman that he was married to. I have a favorite little song. This song is written by a country western singer named Tom Paul Glazier, and the song is Tell Me Why You're Leaving Me. Put another log on the fire. Cook me up some bacon and some beans. Go out to the car and change the tire. Wash my socks and sew my old blue jeans. Come on, baby. You can fill my pipe and then go fetch my slippers and boil me up another pot of tea. Then put another log on the fire, babe, and come and tell me why you're leaving me. (laughs) Now, don't I let you wash the car on Sunday? Don't I warn you when you're getting fat? Ain't I going to take you fishing with me someday? Well, a man can't love a woman more than that. Ain't I always nice to your kid sister? Don't I take her driving every night? So sit here at my feet because I like you when you're sweet. And you know it ain't feminine to fight. So put another log on the fire. Cook me up some bacon and some beans. Go out to the car and lift it up and change the tire. Wash my socks and sew my old blue jeans. Come on, baby, you can fill my pipe and then go fetch my slippers and boil me up another pot of tea. Then put another log on the fire, babe, and come and tell me why you're leaving me. See, there's men sitting in this building tonight. I've just told the story of your life. Here's a man, this man's name is Moses. And as we read these verses of scripture, there is a interesting tale that is there. Something is going to rise on that home. And when she throws this foreskin of the circumcised boy, it's the culmination of a frustration that has been there for some period of time. I want to talk to you for a moment about the call and the consecration that we have here. Jesus tells some parables And in those parables, he outlines something that is very necessary. He tells a parable about a wedding feast and the people that were invited to that wedding feast. And lo and behold, some people showed up at that wedding feast unprepared. And these verses are found in Matthew 22, verse 14. For many are called and few are chosen. In the context of that, this lets us understand that there are many people that the Lord Jesus Christ calls, beckons to, has destiny for, has ministry for them, but they do not prepare themselves for that. And tonight as we're in this building, there's a consecration that is incumbent with the call of God upon your life. Moses has not circumcised his son. 
Now, we're not sure and we're not privy to all the dynamics that have gone on in that home or what has brought uh, these uh, people to that point. But the important thing is that Moses has not circumcised his son. And Genesis 17, 10, 11, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and for you. Now, this is an invisible, as far as the outward appearance, uh, as a person who lived their normal life, but it's a crucial dimension. Think with me for a moment in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10. You know, many people, uh, they look at this and they're simply talking about the outward appearance, but God's looking for something far deeper and he's reaching farther even into this building tonight. And you and I, as in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, he says, therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. The book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, For he is not a Jew, who's one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he's a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And finally, in Colossians 2, 11, these words are written by the Apostle Paul, In him, that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, You were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now think about this for a moment because circumcision God gives to Moses. He's reaching far forward into this present hour concerning you and I. This is not something that you can see visibly when a man is clothed. But it's powerful, it is invisible, but it's crucial. You can't often tell sometimes about this. You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, you know, we don't gather people together and say, lay it on, lay it on the altar. Let's have your tool. Let's t- take a look at that, see how it looks, you know. <laughs> but there is an invisible dimension that's involved here. And an attempt to do God's work in the flesh always ends in disaster. Moses uh, killed an Egyptian 40 years before this. He rose up in his flesh. He rose up in his own ability. He wanted to do the work of God uh, his way and his ability. uh, And he should have learned better. But there's a spiritual dominion that's only achieved tonight by obedience to God uh, Though our hearts may be covered, though the outward man may appear to look good and it's not always visible, there's an absolutely essential dimension here and we need to come to grips with this and Paul underlines this issue. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 21 he says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master." And prepared for every good work. Jesus makes this very clear. He gives us a clear perspective. And he says, if a man looks upon a woman and lusts after her in his heart, the deadly dimension has already begun. 
It may not be visible. It may not be apparent to those that are around him, but it's already begun. And the work of God demands this evening holiness and godliness. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 17 and 18, the apostle Paul said, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality, uh, every sin that a man does outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins uh, against uh, his own body. You see, the work of God demands holiness uh, and godliness. There's a paradox or a contradiction here. When men uh, attempt to do the work of God and uh, there is no circumcision of the heart, no circumcision of the spirit, uh, this is a contradiction uh, and it will not stand in the sight of God. A, I, I can't even handle men who are into pornography uh, and attempt to do the work of God. You see, no one else may be able to see that. This may be that invisible, just like circumcision was not visible from the, to the outward eye. But nevertheless, God looks down and he sees the heart. And the Bible says he demands a circumcision of the heart. This brings me for a moment to the value of a good wife. This is often overlooked. Because men get caught up in their careers. Many men are building businesses. Others uh, may be building ministries. Others may be building churches. Uh, and uh, there is a normal drive to succeed in normal men. Now, all men are not normal. But in normal men, there is a drive, and that drive is to succeed. They will pour themselves into a business. They will pour themselves sometimes into a church. They'll pour themselves into a company, or they'll pour themselves into a ministry, and they don't value the marriage at the same level. Consequently, they don't invest in that marriage and that relationship they do not make the effort that is needed to make that work, uh, and they begin to have problems. Now, as we look back at Moses, we're not sure what had transpired that had brought the, the culmination of this. But one thing is for sure, something was out of balance within that home. Something was out of balance in Moses' life. Uh, and so it is with you and I, if we do not pay attention to our home, then one day... We're going to be surprised because of the consequences that manifest themselves. Many women say you're married to that job. You're married to that company. You're married to that church. You're married to that ministry. And men should be consecrated. But I want to tell you that the value of a good wife is beyond measure. Look at this text for a moment because verse 26 says, so he, that God, uh, let him go. You see, Zipper saved Moses' bacon. And this gives for you and I a lesson. And it's often the woman that is able to see the spiritual issues uh, where the husband is blind. I learned a long time ago that my wife, uh, as a woman, has intuition. You know, sometimes she'll say, that guy's a flake. I said, what are you talking about? This is a good guy. <laughs> and invariably, she's right. Women have an intuition, 
And uh, as, uh, uh, as Zipporah saved Moses bacon, uh, you would t- uh, be very wise this evening to take heed because Zipporah took an action that saved Moses bacon. And Exodus 4, 24 and 25 says it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son, cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you're a husband of blood to me. Now, I just finished a book recently. I mentioned this in the men's discipleship class when Pastor Camel preached that masterpiece. And this author said, Well, what really was happening here is that doesn't really mean that God met him to kill him. What it really means is he was under a lot of stress. And, and so he, he was sick and, and uh, he was at the point of death. Uh, and I read that and I, I write in books, you know, I said, that's a bunch of garbage. That's not, the Bible says that God met him to kill him. Can you say amen? I believe the Bible means what it says. And so as we look at that for a moment, the value of a good wife is beyond measure. And it is a wise husband who's sensitive uh, to the needs of his wife. Listen to the second half of First Peter chapter 3. Giving honor to the wife uh, as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace, grace of life that your prayers may not be uh, hindered. Heirs together of the grace uh, of life. So let's think about that for a moment uh, because what we're dealing with, it does not mean that a man is going to surrender the dominion of his home. He's not going to surrender to uh, the, uh, the, the moves that his wife makes of her own self-interest. But he's going to be wise and he's going to be sensitive to the needs that his wife has. Uh, follow me for a moment uh, because I'm going somewhere. The Bible tells us about David. David, you know, is excited. Uh, the ark is being restored to, uh, uh, to Jerusalem or being brought up to Jerusalem, to the city of David. David's so excited, he's dancing in an ephod before the Lord. And uh, Michael looks out at him and she sees him dancing uh, in exuberance before the Lord. And when he comes in the door, she says, now, wasn't that a pretty sight? You were dancing before those girls. David says, shut up, woman. I was dancing before God that chose me before your daddy. (laughs) However, the Bible says that in that moment, David lost the opportunity for progeny. And Mary and Michael was barren to the day of her death. Now, we can interpret that in several different ways, but I want to tell you that uh, there's something going on inside that home besides just simply David's exuberance uh, and his excitement for God. There's something happening in that home, uh, and I'm not going to elaborate on it, uh, but when he was not sensitive to the feelings of his wife, uh, something crucial transpired there, and he did not hear the cry of his wife's heart or what it was that she was saying. I want you to recognize man's responsibility. Man's responsibility is to give a covering 
to his wife. Listen to 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have authority on her head because of the angels. Now think about this for a moment. Because in the context it is speaking there, it says that the husband is to have dominion in the home. And as the husband has dominion in the home, he's going to furnish a covering for his wife because there's a spiritual dynamic that is involved there. And if she does not have that covering, she's made vulnerable to spiritual forces. Think with me for a moment as we ponder that. I've talked to, within the last probably year, three good men. These three good men in our congregation... Uh, they were brought under conviction because of standards that we have, because of television, uh, because of the media, because of DVDs or whatever. And uh, these three good men themselves were convicted uh, and uh, came to me and said, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to do that. I want ministry. I, I want to serve God. I believe what you're preaching. I, I want to do that. But my wife won't go for it. Are you still with me? I want to tell you something, husband. God calls you to establish dominion in the home. And if you do not establish dominion in your home, you leave your wife vulnerable to spiritual forces and you're going to lose a valuable factor, which is the help of your wife. This does not mean that you're going to allow her to uh, dominate or you're going to allow her to manipulate you. But this means that you're going to be sensitive enough to understand uh, you desperately need her in your life. Uh, and if you're going to preserve her in the long term, let me say to you as a pastor and a man that will soon be married for 54 years, uh, you better be sensitive to your wife and understand unless you establish dominion in the home... Uh, you leave your wife vulnerable to spiritual force. It's not just a fact. Hey, shut up, woman. I'm in charge here. The Bible says I'm in charge. I'm the head of that. No, you, you've already lost it. And it means being sensitive enough to your wife's needs, studying her. You have to study your wife. Women and men are different. How many of you know that? About a third of you. I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about Sister Mitchell. Most of you know Sister Mitchell is a kind, loving mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. She wasn't always that way. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, she was a willful, stubborn, chain-smoking woman when I answered the call of God and went to Bible school to pursue the only way I knew to get into ministry. I doubt if she was even saved when I went to Bible school. But you see, I had a call of God on my life. And through my sensitivity to her needs, but not giving in to the pursuit of ministry that God had called me to, I established dominion and pursued my calling. And this woman has followed me all over the world to two different foreign countries, three different times, and in many places in the United States of America. And she still has very strong will. But I have dominion in my home. By having that dominion and establishing that dominion, I have been able to protect her from the vulnerability 
that spiritual forces try to invade in the home. The Bible says she's the weaker vessel. That means that she's going to require more attention to the issue. She's going to require a reinforcing that only you can give her as you establish dominion in your home. She must have that from you as a husband. See, the value of a good wife is beyond measure. And there's a lesson that we have from the garden in the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Where was Adam when this was taking place? Many commentators feel that Adam was there, but he was not engaged to shield her and that left her vulnerable to the spirit world. And the best thing that you'll ever do for your wife is establish dominion in your home. Now, you're not going to do that as you go home and say, Pastor Mitchell said, you know, that's what everybody, they want some clout. Pastor Mitchell said, I'm in charge. <laughs> You've already, you've already lost it. <laughs> You're not going to gain that by going and quoting some Bible verses. You're going to gain that uh, as you rise up as a man of God and spiritual dimension is established uh, in the circumcision of your heart. <laughs> and the best thing you'll ever do for your wife is establish spiritual dominion in your home. Listen to Proverbs as I conclude. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? And one translation says a wife of valor. Now when I read that text in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 10, for this cause ought a woman to have authority on her head. Uh, I was talking about a powerful, powerful dimension that you cannot evade if you're going to be fruitful, you're going to multiply, you're going to make disciples if you're a pastor, but as a member of a congregation, you're going to be fruitful in your life because there's an invisible dimension that's at work here. We recognize years ago that uh, we are puzzled by sometimes men who do not grow their churches. They are able to, they, they may be good communicators. And we're puzzled by why. And uh, in the process of time, we discovered that in the home, there's an imbalance. And that imbalance is causing an invisible spiritual dimension to be exercised uh, that is not visible, but is powerful. My son on the way down was talking and said, Pastor Campbell asked him uh, 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 a question. He said, uh, why is it that there's good men, they're good speaker?" But their church doesn't grow to the p potential. Uh, you've got your finger on it right here, friend. And when the book of Proverbs says, uh, who can find a virtuous wife or a wife of valor, it's talking about something very powerful that needs to be established. You see, as we read the book of Proverbs, here's a woman who was in submission to her husband. Read it, Proverbs 31. And yet this woman had tremendous business ability. She was able to buy and sell real estate. 
She was able to shop. She was able to provide for her family. She was all of these issues. She, as a matter of fact, she was a very outstanding woman. But if you read the text, you'll find that her husband had dominion and she submitted to her husband. Why? I want to suggest to you that it comes in his understanding of what makes a woman tick and establishing that dominion. This woman was smart. She was an astute businesswoman, but she's in a proper role in her home. Home Depot says that you can do it and we can help. God says you can do it and he will help. Can you say amen? Amen. I hear a little cliche over the radio, and uh, every so often, I'm occasionally driving back and forth to post office, I listen to the radio. This little cliche is, uh, if you take care of your nest egg, your nest egg will take care of you. I want to say to you, I want to change that. If you'll take care of your wife, your wife will take care of you. Home Depot. There are men sitting here tonight. As you're sitting here, God wants to help you. He wants to give you the wisdom that you can establish the dominion in your home. Remember the entire future and the destiny of your ministry. Not to speak of your marriage and your church rests in this place. And most women want a man that they can follow. Most women want a man that they can follow. The reason many women do not want to follow is because they have analyzed that El Stupido is their husband. (laughs) Has not a clue about what makes a woman tick. Jack up the car and change that tire. Put me up some bacon and some beans. Now sit down here and tell me why you're leaving me. Well, the reason is because you don't have the slightest clue about what it takes to establish dominion, understanding that must take place. And I want to say again, I'm not talking about your caving in to your wife's preferences, her greed, her rebellion. I'm saying to you that you have to study your wife. And most women are looking for a man that they can follow. I want every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment as we draw this to conclusion. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, It's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. 
And finally, every dollar we raise goes to World Evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.